Welcome back to Armor on the Air. What are we? What do we do? We are a student organization at the University of Colorado Boulder. Armor stands for Antimicrobial Resistance Mediation Outreach. It's a very long name to basically say we're just a little concerned with how antibiotics are being used right now and what the implications of that misuse and overuse are for the rest of human society and existence and these extra like 40 years of human lifespan that we've acquired from the miracle that is antibiotics. We talk about what antibiotic resistance is and how to stop it. And today, we uniquely have our very own producer joining us on the show so we can talk about penicillin and penicillin allergies and what actually is going on when people are allergic to penicillin. Do you want to introduce yourself, Shane? Yes. Hello, everyone. I am Shane. I am the producer of Armor on the Air, and I'm also a first year, going to be second year, um, PhD student at the University of Colorado Boulder. Dana and I are actually in the same lab together. Yes, we are. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. Yep. As always, I'm Dana, and my co-host... I'm Caroline. And we're here to talk about penicillin and how terrifying it is. <laughs> Terrifying when it doesn't work, rather. Yeah, when it's not an option for some people. Right. Shane, do you want to kick us off? Tell us about penicillin allergies. Um, all right. So penicillin allergies, it's similar to what people think antibiotic resistance is, where your body, not the bacteria in your body, develops an intolerance to a drug. So it's similar to like any other type of um, allergy, where your body becomes basically hypersensitive to that chemical, specifically in this case, um, your body becomes hypersensitive to penicillin. And whenever penicillin is introduced into a hypersensitive body, it induces an immune response. Yes. Like peanuts and yes. shellfish. And, and bees. bees. And lactose. I like bees, uh, <laughs> no, lactose because... is different. Oh, like, that's right. You're because, right. But, no, because, lactose like, is different. It's because when bees... someone's... I was just talking about bees. <laughs> That's so funny. Caroline just wanted to share, like, the allergy explanation of bees, and Shane and I want to explain the lactose intolerance. Do you want to do the bees, Caroline? Yeah, sure. But my point is that I um, I like uh, I like the comparison to bee allergies because um, because um, everyone getting stung by a bee has some sort of reaction. Uh, Ooh, but some point. to some people, it's, like, deadly. Um, so, and, that's yeah. true, yes. Yeah. So we'll get into why get that's a particularly that. apt analogy for penicillin allergies. To explain the lactose thing, it's not a reaction to lactose, the protein found in dairy products. It's actually the individual does not have the enzymes necessary to break down that protein, or it's sh sugar, rather. Um, and so instead of them breaking it down in a sort of a controlled manner, the bacteria in their gut break it down. And when bacteria break down sugar, they produce a lot of gases leading to bloating, pain, and the body trying to sort of compensate for that reaction by secreting a lot of fluid into the gut, which leads to diarrhea. Yeah. Yay! I Yay! heard it really sucks. <laughs> yeah, my partner, my partner is very lactose intolerant, so we've gotten very used to drinking lactaid. I once had a boyfriend who was lactose intolerant but didn't really uh, didn't really live by it. So that was that very uncomfortable for more people than just him. 
I have a bunch of friends who are like that. They're just like, I'm lactose intolerant, but nothing's going to stop me from eating ice cream. It's like, you only live once. Get me a gallon of milk. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just stop. To give a little bit of background, penicillin was the first antibiotic that was ever discovered, um, at least by humans and for explicit applications in actually curing bacterial infections. There were some other sort of pseudo-antibiotics, um, but... Actually, the... oh, sorry. Go for it, Caroline. Um, uh, there was one antibiotic that was discovered before, um, but the, the implication as an antibiotics were not discovered until later. But, like, the, the chemical structure of it was discovered before. It's uh, sulfodrax. Sul- sulfo- sorry. Yeah. Anyways, words. So, yeah, it was in the I think it was in nineteen seventeen or something. It was actually discovered by an, a, a chemist. Um, yeah. Sorry. Continue. But no, penicillin. No, no, no. Totally fine. These are the kinds of nuances that we talk about on this podcast. Yeah. But let's dig deeper into this allergy. Tell us more, Shane. Um, what else can I tell you? A lot of people think are that. You- Sorry, go ahead. Are you are you born with this allergy? No, actually, a lot of people do think that um, these types of drug allergies are congenital, meaning that what does you're born. It means that you're born with it, so you have it from birth, like it's passed on from your mother um, in utero. But um, the actually the only way that your body can develop this hypersensitivity is if you are exposed to the drug and your body develops antibodies to this drug. What are antibodies? You know, that's um, a real good question. I don't know how to explain that, actually. I can take it. (laughs) Do it, Dana. So we have two types of immunity in our body. We have the immunity that sort of puts everything on red alert um, and non-specifically attacks an area that it has detected something foreign happening in. Imagine if you got a cut on your finger. I actually have one right now, and it's driving me absolutely up the walls. You have a cut on your finger. It becomes painful and red and puffy. This is the initial immune response that comes up when your body is like, listen, we just need to take care of it, hold down the fort until the secondary immune response can come in. The secondary immune response inspects the site of damage first, gathers information about what's actually attacking that part of the body, and then it creates specific molecules, the antibodies, that target specifically what is attacking the body in that moment. So the nonspecific is just doing anything the body can to keep everything running smoothly until the secondary immune response can gather enough information and data to provide a stronger, more specific response. So this is what happens with allergies. You're exposed to a protein. For whatever reason, the body thinks it's something dangerous, a pathogen, Um, even though it's like a peanut protein or penicillin. And so what happens is it creates this strong immune response. And if it's not actually something that's hurting you, your body responds as if it is hurting you. And in so doing, causes the damage that is characteristic of an allergic reaction. Makes a lot of sense. I like that. So that's why like your throat swells up. Because that's that, like, crazy initial response. So more specifically, mm-hmm. whenever your body has a infection or anything attacking it, it's going to sort of... Your blood vessels are not solid. Just so people know, these are not, like, steel pipes. They're more like your hands when they cup water. 
So you can keep your hands very tightly so the water doesn't pour through, or if you sort of loosen your fingers, the water will sort of just dribble out. So what happens when your blood vessels are near a site of infection is they'll sort of loosen their fingers so that your blood dribbles out. And when your blood dribbles out, your immune cells go with it so that they can fight off actual invaders. And that's how your body ensures that your immune system reaches the area of infection, even if it's not against a blood vessel. And that's what causes the sort of puffiness and the redness. It's the leaking of all of that fluid from your blood vessels into the area. So if you eat something and your throat detects a protein that it thinks is an attacker, it's going to sort of loosen all of the blood vessels in your throat. And so your throat gets all puffy and it closes in on itself so you can no longer breathe. And Which that's is really a very scary. dangerous part. Terrifying. I don't know if anyone has seen Hereditary, but that scene where the, the, the girl has an allergic reaction is I've heard scary. about it, but I don't dare to watch it. Because Anaphylactic shock is Anaphylactic. terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. My best friend growing up was super allergic to peanuts, and so I was always ready to like stab her in the leg with her EpiPen if I ever needed to. Dang. Yeah. It never happened. We were all good. Good. <laughs> so actually, what happens especially early on in life the body is collecting information about its environment this is really important because when you're developing in your mother's womb you're sterile you're not exposed to any sort of bacteria which is a problem because then you're like thrown into the real world where you have to deal with all of the bacteria so what happens is that you rely, you inherit some of your mother's immune system knowledge initially, but this sort of wears off as you age. I so have a funny during... side story about that. Funny side story. It's, are you ready? <laughs> yes, tell Okay, it. okay, okay. The funny thing is that since you're sterile inside the womb, your um, all of your intestines doesn't come with every, any bacterial flora when you're born. Um, but you inherit a lot of it because you just like go out of like the like the vagina and it's like close to the butt and stuff so like you're getting colonized by all these different um, bacteria from your mom but if you have a c-section you do not uh, exit that way um, so what the doctors do is that that they will spray the baby with like a pre-mixture of bacteria in order to like get out of that going so like basically uh, yeah like butt bacteria just spread out the baby Spray butt bacteria. I baby. had no idea. I was I a C section baby. <laughs> oh, I was too. I don't know if they did that back then. I hope they did. Uh, but uh, they, they do not. Well, I mean, that would, if, if it wasn't, that would explain my terrible lack of immunity. Oh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> well, maybe. I was a C section baby and I have pretty, pretty strong immunity. But my family is also from Eastern Europe. So I think I inherited some of those. Uh, those plague survivor genes oh yeah <laughs> which yeah, like, it's rumored true. to make you more resistant to like the flu yeah interesting and we took or a 23 something. and me test and my husband have like one plague gene too that like uh, um, like something with iron i don't remember it but apparently he doesn't oh, he takes up iron too well I don't know. So the bacteria, like, can't get a hold of it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Plague genes. Yeah, I don't have it. Too bad. Oh, well. <laughs> you are susceptible. Yeah. I hope so, no plague. where I was going with, with babies and, and yeah. the butt bacteria, yeah, <laughs> so they, <laughs> so in order to sort of expose their body to as much data 
from the environment as possible, as quickly as possible, when toddlers have their immune system developing, you'll notice that toddlers kind of just want to put everything into their mouth, <laughs> like, just eat things and eat, like, anything that's in their hands, they just want to, like, put it in their mouth. And the theory is that this is an evolutionary instinctual adaptation so that developing toddlers could expose themselves to as many bacteria as soon as possible. That's so smart. Right? And I just thought they were disgusting. Like... So like one of the theories about one of the theories about why allergies are why more and more people in the United States have allergies now than ever before is because of this hyper hygienic mm-hmm. and autoimmune diseases too. And autoimmune diseases, yes. So the body like because parents are so paranoid about like kids not putting stuff in their mouth and then making them shower like two times a day and like keeping them super clean and super whatever it actually doesn't expose their body to enough things so their immune system doesn't have sufficient data. So then when it does get proteins like a peanut protein or a honey protein, it thinks that it's dangerous because it's so, like, desperate for information. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Immunology is very cool. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. It's so fun learning about. So where are we? We were, okay, so I think that wraps up sort of what happens when you develop an allergy, and we also touched on some of the responses when you're exposed to something you're already allergic to. The things that can happen when you're exposed to something you're allergic to are not always as catastrophic as anaphylactic shock where your throat closes up. In a lot of cases, they can just make you feel like you have the flu, They can cause nausea and vomiting. Sometimes they can just lead to a rash or some hives, even if it's something that you ingested orally. So allergy symptoms are really not that specific. We've talked on the show before about how bad it is to try to diagnose just by symptoms if those symptoms are not super specific. Allergies are one of these things. And so with that, we can dip into the big plot twist. Dun-dun! that 90% of penicillin allergies are actually not penicillin allergies, and they're rather just side effects of taking the drug normally. But because the symptoms of a traditional allergy are so nonspecific when they aren't explicitly anaphylactic shock, a lot of people see the side effects and just interpret them as someone being allergic, even though it's a totally normal response. So let's dig into that. Shane, fill us in on penicillin. Tell us about its derivatives. What kind of antibiotic is it? Um, All right. Well, penicillin um, and its derivatives, they're classified as a beta-lactam drug. um, And that's one of the major overarching classes of antibiotics that specifically targets the bacterial cell wall um, when trying to fight off an infection. Are people allergic to penicillin allergic to all types of beta-lactam drugs or just penicillin? Um. Usually, yes. People that do have penicillin allergies also do will um, exhibit an immune response to the other derivatives like amoxicillin and ampicillin um, and other um, penicillin derivatives. Um, There are times when it's less catastrophic. If it is super catastrophic with penicillin, it could be a little less catastrophic with the derivatives. But more often than not, yes, people will have an immune response to these derivatives just like they would to penicillin. 
which is so sad because penicillin really or penicillin's the class is so big and there's so many different drugs and uh, treatment options in this class and they are well if you're not allergic they're very good um and often the first uh, first choice right. at treatment for a lot of infections so it really limits the treatment process so that brings up a really good point right if you're allergic to such a good reliable and large class of antibiotics what's the backup plan well luckily we have other types of antibiotics um and then we'll often there is um kind of like steps that you go through when you have an infection firstly okay you have this type of infection you use this type of antibiotics um, and you give often if you find out okay this is this type of uh, this type of bacteria you get this type of drug and then you test if the type of bacteria is uh, resistant to that type of drug or if there's other complications not only is there penicillins that could be a problem there could also be problems with if this type of antibiotics is very uh, hard on the kidneys or the liver or some other part that this uh, patient may maybe uh, uh, maybe have problems with and then you just step on to the next one um uh, yeah so there are other types of antibiotics um but often they come come with other side effects and other uh, yeah, yeah problems uh, another thing that's good with penicillin this is a very old type of drug and it's very cheap to produce so it's other not also not very costly to treat with this type of antibiotics than compared to other drugs that's also one of the reasons why we often stop those drugs so yeah you just skip ahead to the next one so yes the problem with thinking you have a penicillin allergy but not actually having a penicillin allergy is that the alternative to a penicillin prescription is usually an antibiotic that is probably a little harder on your own body, could be more dangerous for your kidneys, and it's also a little bit more intense on the bacteria themselves, so it's going to wipe out your microbiome to a larger extent than the penicillin would. Generally, you don't want to deviate to a more intense antibiotic unless you really have to, not only because it's harder on your body, but also because if you use the tougher antibiotics and the bacteria were not resistant to those and they could have been treated by penicillin, you're encouraging resistance to, again, a more intense antibiotic. So they're resistant to the level 2 antibiotic, and that means if someone catches it, they're going to need to be treated with the level 3 antibiotic, which is going to be even more intense on their body. So from the perspective of community health, you really don't want to be taking drugs that are more intense than you need. But then that's difficult because how do you actually know if you're allergic to penicillin, right? It's also it's it's also hard for you as a person because if you're allergic to penicillin and its derivatives, that means that you're also at a much higher risk for being allergic to other beta-lactam drugs like cephalosporins. And that's a whole nother subclass of beta-lactams that we use as another first line of defense. So if you're allergic to penicillins and its derivatives, then it's also likely that you're allergic to a whole lot more than just penicillins, which really sucks. Is cephalosporins used as a first line of treatment in the United States? Is it not? I don't know. I don't know. I, but I know it's defined in Denmark as a, a like a. Is it a second a critical, line of defense? Oh, like like a critical type of oh. antibiotics, along with like uh, fluoroquinolones and the uh, carapenemines. Carap carapen. Car Carbapenems. Thank you. Carba yeah, carbapenems are. Okay. 
I know carbapenems are a like a last line of defense here. Okay. As is like vancomycin. That's like the, one of the last drugs that we use in the United States. But I've I've had cephalosporins prescribed to me as like a first line of defense of defense. And I'm not sure you if that's guys, just because no, of, no. I I know. <laughs> Yeah, so basically one of the things that we learned from the show is that in Denmark doctors and health the, like the health system totally has their shit together way better than the I'm, United States. It's going okay compared to other countries. There's still problems. One time I posted on our armor Twitter, CU underscore armor, follow us. I posted on there, I can't even remember what I posted. It was a very general statement about how, like, we all need to work together to use antibiotics responsibly. And some super patriotic... Oh, my. Trump supporter... (laughs) Responded that I need to stop blaming the United States for antibiotic resistance because it's not our fault because we're the best country and we should look at everyone else. And I got into this, like weird half argument with this guy being like yeah yeah everyone has contributed to this to this growing issue that doesn't mean we don't take responsibility for our contribution (laughs) all this to say health has never not been a social issue that is what we're always harping on here health is a social issue (laughs) a social issue and a shared resource indeed indeed i wanted to touch on the symptoms of penicillin allergies because one of them is particularly terrifying and you should know about it in case it happens to you um you'll know that you're not dying um and that it's actually harmless um so normal side effects of drugs they generally look a lot like allergy symptoms particularly in young children are either of you allergic to penicillin i was actually like i when i was younger i for some reason it just, it was so bad to my body. Like the nausea, actually, I don't know. I was never actually tested, but I know that when I did, when I was prescribed like an amoxicillin or any type of penicillin derivative, I would get terrible, terrible nausea and like upset stomach. But that could have just been a side effect of the drug, but I would have never known because it I was never tested for it. But now I'm fine, so. Yeah, I was, I also had a sort of side effects that could have been interpreted as allergic reaction to penicillin when I took it as a child. I just got a rash though. And the doctor at the time, like, I guess it just wasn't common knowledge back then that most penicillin allergies are not actually allergies. And so the doctor was just like, it might get worse. So you probably shouldn't take any penicillins anymore. And so now, like when I go to the doctor, I had been conditioned to be like, when they say, hey, are you allergic to anything? I say penicillin. But Now, every time I say it, the doctor asks me what happens, and I have to tell them, like, I got a rash when I was younger. I don't know if it's still true, so I should go get a skin prick test so I'm not perpetuating um, the cycle of antibiotic resistance. um, Everyone should who is in doubt. Yeah. Um, Because penicillins are a great drug. That's that's the main Um, takeaway from the episode. Not to everyone, but to most Mm -hmm. people. I used to um, work at a hospital or was, like, an intern at a hospital. Um, as part of becoming a pharmacist and um, and someone told me that like a fourth of everyone said that they were allergic to penicillins because they had it got because yeah yeah but it's not true um, because they had diarrhea 
and like penicillin gives everyone diarrhea not everyone but it's very very common it's not dangerous it just happens it's just like opio opiates makes you constipated like and like you should just you just have to embrace that lactose intolerance <laughs> mentality and just commit to yeah. the diarrhea for yeah, the greater good like, why, why can't people love penicillin as much as people love cheese that, that, that was same side exactly. effect greater community exactly. good exactly yeah we should put that on a t-shirt i love that yes we should and on yeah. our twitter someone get on that the one side effect i wanted to touch on that is absolutely terrifying is called black hairy tongue hairy yes 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 it is a harmless but terrifying looking side effect it happens when dead cells build up on your tongue and it makes it look black and hairy google it when you're not eating but why are they black Right? It, it's just because, like, the necrosis, like, because the tissue is dead and it's not being, like, washed away. Oh, yeah. So I as guess, it builds up, yeah. it starts to look black. Normally when I f- think about, like, dead cells, I think about dead uh, skin cells that's, like, white. So, yeah. Black and hairy. Black, hairy tongue. Uh, Super terrifying. I, I love Google that it. the show... Yeah, Google it, Google it. We'll capture your reaction. And I love that this show has turned into telling people to Google terrifying things <laughs> for the sake of community it's health. Like, okay. okay. Ah! Ah! <laughs> so Caroline Hi! just Googled it, and it is as terrifying ah! as Dana said it was. <laughs> yes. Oh, I... Yes, it is. Why? Why? Do not Google this. <laughs> Like one of the pictures is said. like a, like you know pixelated like when you like censor something, but if you look at like Google Images, there's like pictures just right next to it. So it's like thank you for that one person to like who wanted That's to spare what, he was us. So considerate. <laughs> I'm ah. sure in the context of wherever he published it, it was like really valuable. But I, this whole oh my god, I did not ex- I did not expect that. When your uh, treatment is over, right? I just googled it too, and now I can't unsee it. <laughs> I know! Black hairy tongue. Viewers, Google it if you are brave. Yeah. And when you're not eating anything, because if you are actively eating, you will just not want to... Yeah, it's this it's, is, it's awful. It's awful, but This is not harmless. for the faint yeah. of heart, y'all. Like, I don't want to say this, because I'm a pharmacist, and I like, like penicillins, but this would, like, make... But... Th- Oh yeah, but this would make me stop taking penicillin. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I like I don't care what I have. I don't want this to. So in order to prevent yourself from experiencing, or even the chance of experiencing this absolutely horrifying allergic reaction to penicillin, you can do a skin prick test. So you have to go to the doctor to do this. Don't do this on your own, <laughs> please. Don't um, just get some penicillin that you have lying around and try it. Don't just stab and yourself don't just with penicillin, have penicillin lying around. <laughs> also <like> that. <laughs> so the doctor will take a tiny needle. He's going to like dip it in a little bit of penicillin so that there's like a minuscule amount of penicillin on it. And then he's going to poke you, usually on your back, um, because it's an area that's not going to be like bothered or anything. 
He'll poke your back with it, and after a few minutes, if you are allergic, it's going to look and feel like a mosquito bite. So you're not going to experience, like, anaphylactic shock, even if that would happen if you ingested penicillin. So it's a good, you safe way. You do that. You can do that for penicillin's sake. Like, make Alexander Fleming proud. Yes. And prevent yourself from ever having to look into the mirror at your own black hairy tongue. Mm. Everyone squirmed. <laughs> I'm having a panic attack. Oh my gosh. Shane. <laughs> deep breaths. Deep breaths. Yeah, deep breaths. Just. So then what, what would you do? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It was just a side note that. Now I appreciate my tongue way more. Yeah. <laughs> so then what, Dana, what, what would you do after you get tested and you do find out that you have these penicillin allergies? Like, do, like what do you do afterwards? With, uh, do you tell your doctors? Do you, what, what's, what's happening? So if it's a particularly serious case of penicillin allergy, like your throat would swell up and you would die right away, you will probably get a little metal bracelet that is impossible to take off. So my friend growing up who was super allergic to peanuts had one of these bracelets and it's this metal bracelet and they latch it on so you can't ever take it off. But on the bracelet, it says like, warning, this person will die if exposed to this thing. And so hers said like, do not give this person peanuts. <laughs> and so the point of this is that you're ever, if you're ever in a situation where you are unconscious and an ambulance or paramedics are trying to help you, they can see very clearly what you're allergic to and make sure that you're not exposed to it when they're, like, trying to respond to something very quickly, right? If you are conscious and you go to the doctor, the doctor should be asking you, do you have any allergies? And at that point, you let them know, and then after that, they'll ask you what happens. So sometimes um, that can lead to sort of a weighing of risks. So if you have just a mild rash when you're exposed to penicillin, they might still give you penicillin because like we were sp speaking about earlier, it's a lot safer to get penicillin than any of the sort of backup drugs that come behind it. But if you're having a more serious reaction, like maybe you have like pretty serious nausea, um, the doctor may prescribe you the sort of backup antibiotic. And this is important for doctors to sort of weigh their decisions in terms of how they prescribe your treatment. One of the other things I want to point out, though, is you don't always need antibiotics. So yes, you may be sick. Penicillin may resolve what is causing you to be sick. Your body can probably take care of it, too. It might take a little bit longer, just by a few days, but if your body can take care of it, you should let it do so. It's safer for your own organ systems, for your own microbiome, right? The bacteria that live in your gut aren't being exposed to antibiotics that would kill them as well. And you aren't contributing to antibiotic resistance by taking an antibiotic when you don't need it. Public surface announcement and constant reminder, antibiotics are a backup plan. They are riskier to take than people want you to think. Do not take antibiotics unless your body has not been getting better for probably about a week. Like, if you see zero improvement in a week, at that point, you should probably go look for antibiotics. If your doctor decides that you do need antibiotics, finish your course. Take all of the antibiotics. If you don't take all of the antibiotics, you are exposing bacteria to a lower dosage, a lower total amount of antibiotics. So they see what the threat is, and then the threat is removed. So what are they going to do? They're going to start thinking about how to resist that threat. So they're going to dig up, remember the archives of resistance? They're going to go into their archives and be like, hey, I saw this a hundred million years ago. Let me just pull out that resistance gene and express it on the off chance that 
I'm exposed to that drug again. And then you've created a resistant strain. It's, it's bad. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Also, taking an antibiotic or treatment can uh, just make you get other types of infections, like fungal infections. Because, yeah. So you don't. Or the very, very, very intense C. diff. Oh god, yeah. C. C diff. diff. Oh, yeah. C. diff is terrifying. It's so scary. Shane, tell us about C. diff. So for those of you that don't know, C. diff is a microbiome. It's an, it's an intestinal infection, um, bacterial infection that is different than a lot of other bacterial infections because referencing our um, sporulation podcast, um, C. diff produces spores that are resistant to practically everything. So if you have C. diff, it's very, very hard to actually get rid of that infection. And um, there are symptoms that can range from like mild, like, oh, I'm nauseous. Oh, I have diarrhea. Oh, I'm like, Bleh, to all the way to like, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. It's also, bad. It's the, the worst. The treatment you actually use to cure a C. diff with it, like a special kind of C. diff. I think it's called C. diff. Is it zero two one or something? No, anyways, it's uh, vancomycin. And then when you use vancomycin, other uh, bacteria becomes resistant to vancomycin. And then you have another breakout at the hospital with that bacteria that happened in Denmark. So. I thought you were going to bring up the fecal fecal no, shakes. Fecal shakes. Oh, yeah. And then, then, you just, then, then you need to inhabit your intestines with new bacteria. Then you want like a, a, a fecal trans... Uh, fecal fecal uh, trans... Uh... Transplant? Transplants, thank you, sorry. Word disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, you just... I think we need to do... I was about to add more about C. diff and, like, how it works and what happens, but I think we should just do oh, an yeah, episode Oh, yeah, let's do C. about C. diff. We it's should. terrifying. More scary. It is. terrifying. Oh, also, I had another thing to add. Um, if you have antibiotics laying around at home because you did something wrong and didn't take the entire treatment, you should go back and bring it to your doctor. You should not throw it out, and you should not have it lying around at home. And you should definitely not flush it down. Definitely not. Please don't. Remember when we talked about antimicrobial soap just going into the drain? Just imagine just... Yeah, just don't. Please don't. Please give it back. Also, if you have it lying around and you get sick like later on, don't just take it because it's probably expired and you don't know if you have a bacterial infection so you could First be making you it don't worse. know if that bacteria is uh, is susceptible to that type of antibiotics there's just that too there's a lot of stupid stuff going on here oh. expiration dates on food are bogus expiration dates on antibiotics are very serious because denaturing small molecules can take something that doesn't harm a human being into something that's super toxic. Yeah. Do not take or expired just drugs. Bring you below the uh, the the window of therapeutic, so the therapeutic window. Right. So just not getting yeah. Well, after that terrifying discussion <laughs> of C diff and us and just what like to do telling it. people to don't be stupid, <laughs> don't be stupid. <laughs> Use responsibility when taking antibiotics. We wanted to wrap up with letting you know how you can keep up with us. 
So every week we record podcasts to keep you informed about the landscape of global health as it relates to antimicrobial resistance. You can keep up with us wherever you get your podcasts. We also hang out every Tuesday over Zoom because we are still social distancing because we are still living in a pandemic to the contrary of some people's political opinions in the United States. It's on the rise. So if right you now. want <laughs> it's on the rise. Coronavirus is alive is this and a kicking. If you want to hang out with us on Tuesday, drop us an email at armor at colorado.edu. We basically do what we do on the podcast, except there's no filter. It's super real and super fun. If you aren't part of the Boulder, Colorado community and you recognize that your community has unique needs, you should start your own chapter. You can visit our website to learn more at arclabs.org forward slash armor. And lastly, you can find us on social media at cu underscore armor. Thanks for tuning in.